Hi, you're listening to audio from Rock Hill Church. To check out more resources, please visit rockhilllawrence.com. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, that's what happens when I don't look at the off and on. I just, yeah, okay. Thank you, guys. So we're, we're spending three weeks on Jesus' prayer. In John chapter 17, we're going to look at verses, we're in the middle of it this week, we're looking at verses 6 to 19. Next week, George is going to finish it with us. What's going on in Jesus' life at the time of this prayer? I know many of you have the answer, so shout it out. Some of you may not be sure. Where is this in his life and ministry, chronologically? Yeah. Yeah. He's going to go from this prayer, as John tells it, and be arrested. So this is Passion Week. This is the last week of his life before his crucifixion. I've spent some time this week just reflecting on that. I've I've wondered what Jesus' mental state was as he's praying. I wondered if he had any anxiety while he's praying. He was human. Having anxiety is not sinful, necessarily. I guess it could be an expression of not trusting. But it's also a response to stress. I wondered about his emotional well-being. How was he doing? Do you you think Jesus had joy during this? I imagine he did. But it was a tough time. I mean, whatever... However he was kind of doing internally, we know he completed the work God gave him to do. And this prayer, when I, when I think about that in that setting, of this is likely hours before his arrest, boy, it just made me love him more. To, to see the focus of his prayer and how he's praying for us and his disciples so we're going to insert ourselves in this prayer for a few minutes. And one of the ways, as I, as I wrestled with this prayer, this portion of it, this week, and, uh, and by the way, thank you, George. George reminded us at a renovate retreat on Friday that the name Israel means one who struggles or wrestles with God. And I think as followers of Jesus and as a community of Jesus, that's one thing we do. We wrestle. We struggle together. But we're going to insert ourselves in this prayer. And as I've wrestled with the prayer this week, one of the things I think the Spirit guided was, don't spend as much time teaching on it this week. Let's pray together. So we're actually going to spend some time praying this afternoon. Uh, I'll, I'll give some comments in between, we're gonna, but we're going to break three times, and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray in response, or maybe better said, alongside of how Jesus is praying. And I think that'll make sense as we go. And, and uh, so we're going to read the text here. So I wanna, before I read it, another thing I noticed in the prayer, this is kind of a moment for Bible nerds, okay? So if you're a Bible nerd, this is your moment. Like, 
most of the prayers we have in Scripture, the, the language of them, kind of, it, it kind of runs, it flows, it kind of runs on top of each other. So there's a lot of commas and semicolons usually in, as it has come to us anyway. And, it, and you just get the feeling that like this is just building on top of each other, it's going somewhere. What's unusual about this prayer, at least in the, the language that has come to us as John wrote it, is there's a lot of sentences. There's, in other words, there's a lot of periods in this prayer. And that, that caught my attention um, because that's not normal for prayers in Scripture. Now, side note, when the Greek New Testament was written, there were very few, there's very little punctuation. If you look at ancient Greek, there's not usually even much spacing between the words. You have to know where to put the spaces. There's not hardly any original commas, semicolons, question marks, periods. Those were added later by editors most of the time. There's a few that look like they might have been original, but most were added later. So knowing that, that also caused me to reflect, like, Whoever the editor was or the editors were that helped hand this down to us, they were inserting an unusual high number of periods, and that, that caused me to ask why, and I don't have an answer to that question. It just made me pause and wonder if they wanted us to pause frequently in this prayer. Maybe they wanted us to, to really slow down and be with the prayer, to be with Jesus' words, to reflect on the phrases that he's offering. That makes a lot of sense to me, reading the prayer like that, being with the prayer like that. So let's read it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time pausing. Maybe I will a little. But in respect of our time, I'm, I'm just going to read it. But you may want to read it with more pauses, more slowly on your own, and just be with it. I think you'll find that enriching. Why don't we stand together? We do this sometimes, just kind of as a way of like respecting God's word with our posture. And um, I'll read it. This is John 17, 6 to 19. It's all, the words are on the overhead, if that's helpful for you. So this is not the start of the prayer. This is the middle of the prayer. He's already started, but we pick up in verse 6. Jesus says, Father, I revealed your name to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given to me is from you, because the word you gave to me, I gave to them. And they received it, and they knew the truth that came from you. They believed you sent me. So I'm asking for them. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on half, behalf of those you have given me. For they are yours. All I have is yours. And what is yours is mine. And I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I'm coming to you. Holy Father, 
keep them in your name, which you have given to me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given to me, and I protected them. And none has been lost except a son of destruction, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now, Father, I am coming to you. And I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have joy within themselves, joy that has been made complete in me. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them, Father, in the truth. The word that is yours, that's the truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world, and I sanctify myself on their behalf so that they too will be sanctified in truth. And God's people said, Amen. So be it. Let's pray together. You can, you can have a seat. Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to illuminate our minds, our hearts, our imaginations. Would you strengthen our will as we engage your word? Lord, we want to learn this remarkable prayer that sometimes doesn't get the press that the Lord's prayer gets, but Lord, this was your prayer. Help us, Lord, to learn to pray it, to learn from it, to learn how to be with the words and the phrases that have so much latent power for us. So speak to us and be with us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to pray around three things of this prayer uh, tonight. The first thing is, in a moment, I want us to give thanks and glorify Jesus for the way that God has been revealed through Jesus. I'll, I'll respond. Peter, that was a long sentence. But Jesus says, Father, I have revealed your name to those you have given me from the world. It's an interesting statement. Father, I have revealed your name to those whom you have given me from the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. You understand why they put so many periods in this, right? There's just so much laden almost in each phrase that you could think about. I have revealed your name. Jesus reveals. The, the word really means to make clear. I have made clear your name. Hey, Will, would you mind checking the thermostats and bumping them down? I think that they're programmed not for the afternoon. So are you guys hot or is it just me? No, you're not, Becky? Anybody hot? Yes. Some, okay, that's, that's normal. Some are, some are.
let me restart that thought before I interrupted myself. Now you're, now you're hot. Now all you're thinking about is how hot you are. That works. Jesus says, I revealed your name to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours. There's another one over here too, Will, if you don't mind. Sorry. Thank you. I gave them your word. Jesus makes God clear in a way no one else can. He has no rival when it comes to making God clear. No other human can portray God like Jesus has. No ink and quill, no page and paper can portray God like Jesus has. He is the Son of God. He is the Word who became flesh. He was there in the beginning with God. He is God. The writer of Hebrews preached, He is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of who He is. Jesus says, God, I have revealed your name. To reveal God's name meant something in that day, probably a little bit differently than it means for most of us. To reveal someone's name meant to reveal their character. To have a name meant this name is representative of something intrinsic about the person. That's how that world thought about names. You didn't name a child what you named it just because it sounded cool. Uh, the name meant something. It, it carried intrinsic understanding about that person. Jesus says to God, I have revealed your character. I have revealed who you are. I think the takeaway from this is just a question. You want to know God? Get to know Jesus. God is Christ-like. Jesus has revealed him completely. Jesus prays, Father, I have revealed yourself, your character, who you are to those you've given me. I did that. That's the first sentence of this portion of the prayer. How has Jesus revealed God to you? Is that, a, is that an odd question? For you, how has Jesus revealed God to you? What have you come to know about God through Christ? One of the things that I'm learning more about God through Christ is his kindness to my life, his grace to my life, um, his patience for my life. Often as I reflect on like, decisions, things I've done in the past, I tend to be, as many of us probably are, very harsh on myself. And I tend to be my worst critic. And maybe there's a little bit about that that's helpful, but I want to tell you there's a lot about that that's not helpful. One of the things I've learned about Jesus, uh, or about God through Jesus, is his kindness. That as I process my life more fully with Jesus, there with me, mindful of his presence, in his spirit, what I experience with God is not harshness. There may be correction here and there. What I experience is 
kindness. Yeah, I was there too, Jim, when you did that. Remember that? I was there with you. You're growing. You'll work this out. Keep going. Get back on your feet. It's okay. You need to make things right, make them right. I'm learning this about God. It makes sense to me because I would say the same thing to my children if they mess up. Okay. Get back on your feet. I'm with you. Keep going. Be better next time. I'm learning that about God more fully. Well, how about you? What would you say? I want to give you a minute with the question. And then I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray your response. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you just a few seconds to say, how would you answer that question? What are you, how is Jesus helping you know God better? And then I'm going to give as many of you that want to just verbally, or you don't have to make it verbal, just say, God, thank you for helping me know you through Jesus. And then name it in this way. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be as long as I just did. But make it mean something if you do. Does it make sense? Got it? Okay, I'm going to be quiet for about 30 seconds. And then I'll say something like, go. Father, for the way that Jesus is pointing us to you, our Father who loves us, how your spirit is working with Jesus and the Father to bring us guidance and comfort. We learn your heart and your character more and more. Sometimes it surprises us. Sometimes it embarrasses us because we feel so unworthy and we see glimpses and experience your love for us, it makes us want to be more like Jesus. Help us. So Jesus says, those the Father has given to Christ have kept his word. Have kept the Father's word. What's that mean, to keep the Father's word? I think one thing it means is to remain tethered to God, to be tethered to the distinctiveness that comes with belonging to God. You know, that's a distinctive place. You don't just like drift your way into that. You notice what I didn't say? Debbie, I see you smiling there. I used the word ooze this morning in a, in a sentence, and she said drift is better. Um, to keep the Father's word is to remain tethered to our distinctiveness as his children, as his adopted daughters and sons. It's to hold fast to our identity. We're distinctively his in Jesus. It's to hold fast to our purpose that we would live in his life, that we would abide in his riches, that we would participate in his life as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He invites us into that place, believe it or not, as his children, that we would hold fast to our mission to help others know him and love him. I think that's what Jesus is saying. He's probably saying a lot more than that. But I think he's saying, Father, they have remained with you. 
They have kept your word. And Jesus prays, because they have kept the integrity of this distinction of being yours. In verse 7, he says, now they know that everything you have given to me is from you. Because of the word you gave me, I gave them. And they received it, and they knew the truth that came from you, and they believed you sent me. Last week I used the word reciprocity, and uh, it's a weird word, but it, it means this mutuality of relationship that we share with God as Father, Son, and Spirit, that we're invited into share in this life. There's giving. Look at the scripture here. There's giving going on. There's mutuality of giving and receiving going on. There's responding, giving and receiving from the Father of his word to the Son, who in turn gives it to those God has given him. And because of it, they share distinctively in the truth of God. And it has resulted in a distinct faith. They're not just nice people trying to get nicer. They're not just religious people trying to fulfill and appease some inner guilt. No, they're distinctive people. They're Jesus people. They're followers of him. They belong to Jesus no matter what. So this time we're going to pray differently. This time we're going to pray in confession of our faith in Christ. We're going to stand and voice our distinctive, treasured belonging in Jesus to God. We're going to celebrate in this confession. This is, there's a, sometimes we mean confessing our sins. It's not what I mean here. This means owning our faith in the presence of our Father and saying, Father, I don't know why, but I belong to you. I do know why. It's because you love me. I confess my allegiance to you because you have chosen me in your love. We're going to confess that. We're going to confess that we give our lives to him because he gave his to us as his followers. We are his, and we are his alone. We belong to him. That makes us distinct in this world. Not better, just distinct. We belong. Can you confess that? Can you confess that in trust, your salvation, your allegiance, your love for God? So here's how we're going to do it differently. Do you know what it means to pray? Sometimes it's called Korean style. You know that way? It means every, we all stand together and everybody prays out loud at once in your own words. So we're not saying the same thing. That's how the, sometimes, I'm sure they don't always do it that way, but that's what it came to be known, Korean style. We pray knowing God hears every one of us as we pray together. Does this make sense? So you're, I'm going to ask you to stand. Go ahead. And just, just talk to God in, in just a minute. I'll give you a few more instructions in case I just made you nervous. I don't know if I did or not. But just out loud say, God, I just, I just confess my trust in you. Thank you 
for what you've done for me. Thank you for the way you live. Thank you for your death on the cross for me. Thank you for conquering death and your resurrection. Thank you for showing me how to live my life and work and family in the community. However comes out. There's no right way to do this. Use your own words, your own language. Speak in your native language if you want. That's good too. He knows all of them. He's good with them. Okay? Let's pray together. I'll, I'll pray and you can listen this time. Sorry. Lord, we're just delighted in that different thing we just did with the knowledge that you heard each one. You not just heard and understood our words. Lord, you, you also hear the heart that's behind it. Whether, whether that was sort of surface for us or whether there, there was behind the words there was a plea, a cry. Lord, you are with us that way. And your Holy Spirit, e- even now, I imagine, is taking those pleas that were heard and advocating Lord, you you heard it all, you hear us all, you see us all. Thank you. We confess, Lord, our trust in you. Lord, we, we need to confess our trust for you. Oftentimes, we don't feel it. Um, it feels vacant, or we feel lost, not knowing what to do, or we're hurting, or we're grieving and lamenting, or we're confused. Lord, so often, Lord, what we're really praying in our souls, we're afraid to say with our words, but you hear them. We don't have to say them, Lord, you hear them. And Lord, it's so delightful for us to know that you you even groan with us. When we're groaning, you're with us. When we're silent, you're with us. When we're shouting, you're with us. You take delight in us. When we're messing up, being shifty, being duplicitous, you don't leave us. That's the kind of God you are. We're grateful. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. One more and then we'll be done. Jesus makes not that many requests, at least in this section, at least that come to us as requests, but he does make a couple. We're going to close with those, and then we'll pray them together. In verse 9, Jesus says kind of some preemptive statements about requesting. He says, Lord, I'm asking for them, meaning his followers. And then he says, but I'm not asking for the world. But for those you've given me, for they are yours, all I have is yours, and what yours is mine, and I've been glorified in them. More reciprocity, by the way. But Jesus says this puzzling thing, I'm not praying for the world. Why does he say that? Does he not care for the world? No, he cares for the world. In fact, we know he loves the world. We know, for God so loved the world, 
that he gave his son. That whoever would believe in him, he would give them his life. He loves the world. So why does he say, Father, I'm not praying for the world. I'm just praying for those you've given me. It's puzzling at first. At least it has been for me. But then it got pretty simple. He's not praying for the world because it wouldn't make sense to him to pray for the world. For the world is a system in the way the Bible sometimes uses it, like here. It's a multiverse universe that is hardwired against God. The world is a system that has set itself against God. That's its nature. It's opposed to God. It doesn't want God or anything to do with God. It doesn't want to bring glory to God. So Jesus here is being very distinctive. I'm praying for those who want to be with me. I'm praying for those who long for God. I'm praying for those mourning, timid, beatitude people. I'm praying for those who are impoverished in spirit. I'm praying for those who are persecuted, the insulted ones. I'm praying for the ones who don't have any power in the community. He's praying for us. So he prays on, I'm no longer in the world, but they are. I'm coming to you, but Father, please do this. And here's the request. Keep them. Keep them in your name, which you've given to me, so they may be one just as we are. Keep them in your name. Remember what name means. Keep them in your character. Keep them with you. Jesus is asking God to keep his children in that unique, loving, distinct relationship. He's saying, keep them grounded in you, Father. May they find their identity and their purpose and their values and their motivations anchored in you. When they're discouraged, keep them in you. When they're confused, keep them in you. When they're hurt, keep them there. When they're lamenting and grieving and angry and lonely, keep them, Father, in you. Keep them close. He says, well, I, verse 12, when I was with them, I kept them. I was the word become flesh. I kept them in your name and I protected them. And none's been lost except the one. But now I'm coming to you and I'm saying these things so that in their having been kept, he, he brings in a whole new element here. They might have joy. They might have the joy within them that has been made complete within me. More distinction. Not just happiness, not just something like feels good. Joy that is yours, Father. That comes to maturity in me. Keep them there. That's a big ask. Keep them joyful. I've given them your word, verse 14, and the world has what? The word, the world has hated them. It's not a real sunny forecast in the short term here. 
I've given them your word. The world has hated them. Because they're not of the world. The world is hardwired against them. I don't ask that you take them out of it. I'm asking that you keep them. And keep them, and he gets more specific here. Not just from evil, but the evil one. Keep them, Lord. Because they have an adversary. That's ruling over this hardwired system. It's a second request, but it really is the same as the first. Keep them from the evil one. And then one more request. Verse 17. He says a new word. Sanctify them. Sanctify them, Father, in the truth, and that the word that is your truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I've sent them in the world, and I sanctify myself. Only he could do that as God. Don't try that at home. He will sanctify you as he's praying this for you. Sanctify. What does it mean to sanctify? What does it mean to be sanctified? You know the word? It means to be set apart. It means to be taken and kept and saying, I've got a spot for you right here. I'm setting you apart. It, ha- it has this, this uh, strain of holiness. It's what it means to be holy. Being holy is much deeper than just not doing the bad things and doing the good things. It means to be kept in God. It means, it be, it means to be distinctively God's set apart. Jesus takes three important foundational core essentials of what it means to be God's distinctive people right here. Kept, Father, keep them. Father, sanctify them because they're in the world. If they weren't in the world, there'd be no need, but they need to be sanctified. You need to be sanctified by God's spirit, set apart. And you share in what Jesus has done. His sanctification in him is yours. You don't have to try it at home. It's yours in him. And then he says, send them. As you have sent me, they are now sent. So I want you to see, I hope, the interconnectivity with these requests. Father, keep them in your care. Father, sanctify them. Set them apart. Help them to live sent as a sent people. They belong together. You can't have one without the others. Kept, sanctified, sent. We're going to end our time praying those requests. I'll try to be specific. I want to encourage you to ask God, choose one of these. You can put them together if you're there. But I want you to ask God to do one of three things. I want you to ask him, where in your life do you need to be kept right now? Is there, is there a place in your life you're going through something and you just need to cry out to the Lord and say, God, I need you to keep me close right now. I need you to be close to me right now. If that's you, then I want you to pray that prayer in a moment. And we're, and we're going to do this quietly. Secondly, 
you may need to be set aside for God. Maybe, maybe something's coming, and you know it. It's coming for you. I know there's at least one first-time school teacher in the room who's getting ready to start. Maybe there's others. There's, but maybe there's a big challenge coming for you. And maybe you need to say, God, I need you to set me aside for this. What's coming is bigger than me. Or the situation I'm in is bigger than me. Or maybe you're facing temptation. You know, may, maybe you're looking over somewhere else where you shouldn't be looking and you're starting to say, I, I, I want that. I want that for my life. And you need to say, God, please sanctify me. Set me apart for you. I want to be holy as you are holy. Maybe you need to be praying for God to send you. I don't necessarily mean geographically, but I, I want to live as your emissary among my family, among my neighbors, in my workplace, whatever it is. God, would you help me know how to live sent, equipped with the good news of Jesus, that I might live my life in that way that glorifies you, and I might use my words in ways that draw people to you. And you, and you long to be in that stream of being sent. So we're just going to be quiet, and I'm going to ask you to choose one of those, or you can put them together if you're there. God, keep me. God, set me apart. God, send me. I'll close this in a few minutes. here a prayer we're just getting started and even though our time may be drawing to a close for this moment Lord I pray that today you would call us into a way of praying that you would you would signal us to the way Jesus prayed and how he taught his disciples to pray and the prayers we have in scripture and we would find those and learn to find ourselves in them. That we would learn to pray as Jesus did and learn to ask for the things he asked for and, and learn the prayers of great men and women of God who have cried out to you. And we pray that especially Jesus' prayers would become our prayers. His story would become our story more and more. It wouldn't be about us. Our prayers would mature and Lord, it's great to just ask God for what we want. We don't want to stop doing that. But Lord, we also want to grow up in the way we pray. And Lord, you've given us your spirit and pointed us to Jesus to help us learn how to pray. Help us learn how to pray as individuals and as families, as a community. Help us to sit with this prayer this week. Find a place where we can pray with it. Fill us with your spirit as we pray. If we need to be groaned with, Lord, we trust that. If we need correction, Lord, we trust your spirit would point us in a direction to a scripture or to a person, whatever we need to do. Lord, if we 
need encouragement. Lord, draw us. Call us together. Lord, call us as a community. We don't want to run this race by ourselves. We want to go far. We want to do it together. God, help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.